Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number six of Metro Talks. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm here today with my co-host, John. John, how are we doing today? Good, man. Doing well. Doing well. Glad to hear that. So we're going to get things started off right away with a, with a question that I have for you, John. So what are some things that you think of if you hear the word orthopedist, or what would your initial reaction be if I were to tell you that I was going to see an orthopedic specialist? Hmm. I would say, Matt, what are you going under the knife for? Are you having surgery for some reason? <laughs> and I think that's probably uh, the, the same answer or the same thought process that a lot of people would have when they hear those terms or when they think of that specialty. So today's episode, we're very fortunate to sit down with Dr. Michael Cilio of Orthopedic Associates of Long Island. And he shares some insights which may change the perspective on what an ortho really does and even the types of treatments they might actually prescribe to a patient who is dealing with various ailments. Our listeners might find it interesting that a lot of times, surgery is not the first answer. In fact, most of the times, a person's health and recovery is based around simple movements and exercises, just like the ones that you could do at a Metro PT, and even ones that you can do on your own. So for those of you who are listening who might be putting off going to your ortho due to fear of going under the knife, we think this is a great episode for you. And it might even help you to get some fresh perspective on what recovery can actually entail. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely touch on that too. I know years ago uh, when I was playing baseball, I was pitching and uh, I thought I honestly needed Tommy John surgery. You know, I thought I needed reconstruction on my UCL. That was kind of the scare for me. And when I did go see my orthopedic, that was the first thing in my head is, oh man, I got to go get surgery for this and I'm going to be out for a whole year, maybe even longer. And uh, I was surprised to find out when I got there, you know, he, he suggested PRP, which is uh, an, an injection protocol. And I didn't even follow through with that. He said, you can do this option or you can just rehab it and do physical therapy and treatment on your own. And, you know, I took a month off, I, I rehabbed and I uh, put my full efforts into that. And luckily I was able to get back to full health without even going through surgery. So I was lucky for that. And it's, I know it's something I benefited from without really going under the knife or going through any surgeries. So it's, it's still an option. Even if, uh, even if a doctor is a surgical doctor, you know, he's not always going to tell you, you need surgery in this situation. So it's exciting to hear Dr. Cilio speak on that. And uh, I think, you know, we can get right into it here, Matt. Let's jump into the talk room here with Dr. Cilio. Okay. So we're here today with Dr. Michael Cilio. Dr. Cilio is board certified by the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery for both orthopedic surgery as well as sports medicine. He specializes in minimally invasive shoulder, knee, and hip surgery. Dr. Cilio is well known and respected in local collegiate and high school sports and for his expertise in training sports related injuries. The purpose of this video is to inform patients who have either chronic or acute flare ups of shoulder pain during the COVID 19 lockdown how they can receive treatment through telemedicine from their physician and their therapist. To start us off, Dr. Cilio, are you still seeing patients in the office? Uh, hey, John, how are, how are you? Great to talk to you. Um, uh, answer your question, yeah. Um, we're still seeing patients in our office. Our, our practice is currently open um, as it's deemed essential. However, we've, um, we've taken some significant uh, action in order to observe the social distancing that we're all, uh, you know, all dealing with right now. Um, specifically, we've changed the schedule uh, in our office to really limit uh, 
the number of patients who are actually coming through the office by spacing out visits and also physically spacing out um, where, there be, where our patients are being seen in the office, uh, both in the waiting room as well as um, in the clinician areas. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing the best to do our part during this, uh, during this situation. So are you limiting the types of patients you see in person versus through telemedicine? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're doing our best to do so. So there are certain things that, um, especially in an orthopedic practice, are, are really difficult to see virtually or, or to put off. So uh, patients who are post-operative patients who um, you know, need to be seen for one reason or another, obviously we're still having those patients come to the office. Um, you know, certain patients who are having a real difficult time or having significant discomfort where they may benefit from an injection, uh, we're, we're still seeing them in the office. And then obviously acute injuries, trips, falls, um, someone who, who's concerned about a fracture but is uh, trying their best to avoid either going to an urgent care, general urgent care, um, or the emergency room, um, understandably, uh, we're, we're seeing those patients as well. Um, anything else that we can possibly see virtually uh, via telemedicine, we're doing our uh, very best to screen them and, and to try to steer patients that way if it's, if it's reasonably possible. So... Traumatic type injuries, you're still allowed to do surgery on, correct? Yeah, so in uh, New York State, what, uh, what the current situation is, um, is um, there's, uh, legally at least, we're not supposed to be doing any kind of elective surgery. So anything that in theory could wait uh, several weeks and not ultimately affect the outcome, we're, we're being asked and we're following along with the state um, uh, guidelines to, to really limit, limit those types of procedures. However, there are certain injuries um, you know, certain fractures or even tendon injuries, muscular injuries, where you know surgery being delayed for an extended period of time would, would likely negatively affect the outcome of that surgery. So, in those specific circumstances, we are still operating. What's been interesting is, I think, you know, on a positive note, what what we're seeing is that uh, you know the general population is really doing their very best to stick with this social distancing. So, um, compared to an average period of time where with an average April, let's say, we're definitely seeing a downtick in those type of injuries right now because people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is you know doing their part to really limit the spread of this virus, laying low at home. Right. Yeah. It's it's been difficult for um, for most of us just to stay do that right. social distancing. Um, I know in our offices we're we're um, sanitizing like crazy wearing our masks, most of our patients are wearing masks, um, just trying to keep people um, at least six feet apart. Um, and and it, it's been working really well. We, we, you know, patients come into the office, we take their temperature, they wash their hands, and, um, and, and it's been difficult, but it's, it's, it's still working. We're still able to see people. And, and I think that's great, John. I think, you know, you're, you're checking all the boxes and doing all, all the right things. Um, you know what, I think if, if you want to look at the silver lining of this whole process, yes, there's some parts of this that have been difficult to implement. You know, wearing masks uh, is something that's difficult to implement. Um, you know, wearing gloves all the time is, is you know, logistically um, sometimes uh, difficult. However, you know, my hope is that when everything is said and done, that this whole process for even the general population we'll get more used to being really careful about washing our hands regularly, um, you know, using hand sanitizer on a regular basis, 
um, you know, trying our best to make sure that if we feel like we're getting sick or if there's, you know, um, a sign that you might be going down the, the, the road of getting a virus that you, that you really do your, your part to, to limit contact with other people. So maybe there'll be some silver linings in this uh, whole process when everything is uh, said and done and we get past the situation. So are you doing any surgeries out of any of the ambulatory surgery centers or, or, or any of that? Um, so right now, right now, no. Um, and what's been, um, what's been, uh, done currently is most, if not all of the surgery centers had, uh, been, uh, helpful in, in managing the COVID crisis. And so some of the surgery centers actually have become non COVID units where they're put, putting patients who are recovering from other types of, um, either injuries or procedures, and they don't want to keep them in a general hospital. Um, uh, some of them have also become, believe it or not, um, COVID units where they're, where they're keeping some of the less sick patients, um, you know, in an area where there is access to ventilators and, and higher level of medical care. So as, as of this date today, no, um, I'm not working in a surgery center. Um, however, the reality is, is I think we're in a situation right now where the goalposts are, are constantly moving. And, um, you know, many of us are anxious to get back to taking care of our patients and do what we enjoy doing and what we, what we, what we love to do but we want to do it safely. Um, and so what we're looking at currently um, system-wide across uh, several different health systems is when we are ready to, to move towards doing elective surgery, what's going to be the safest um, you know, way to do so for our patients and for our staff. And so that may very well mean you know, keeping procedures to ambulatory surgery centers only um, and then transitioning back to, to hospital settings as we feel it's, it's safe to do so. But as of right now, the answer to your question is no, we're not. We're not operating in any surgery centers. For, for the, the um, post-traumatic surgeries and, and that kind of stuff that's still taking place, um, are, do you have any of those patients seeing home care or um, any type of therapy at, the, at this time? Yeah, I mean, that's been, you know, the home care and, and telephysical therapy has really been a godsend during the last four weeks. And I think, you know, John, you'd probably agree with me that you know, six or eight weeks ago, we, we weren't doing nearly as much as we're doing now. But uh, for patients who are uh, post-operative from, from a trauma or a fracture, um, and then again, certain musculoskeletal injuries, if, if and when we are doing surgeries that can't wait, um, we've been really trying our best to, to, to arrange for either home care, um, which I'm sure you can, you can elucidate that means, you know, someone coming to your home, or even, you know, telephysical therapy where you meet virtually with a with a physical therapist, just like we're talking right now, who can actually walk you through some of the some of the rehab that you could be doing on your own uh, with items at, at your house, um, but in a supervised fashion. So um, that's really been a godsend during this, especially for things that can't wait or can't be put off. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I only ask because you know Metro is still doing home care. Um, we have a, a a full staff of therapists doing home care. And, and we're also offering virtual physical therapy as well. Um, have you had any experience with, with um, the virtual physical therapy, any feedback or anything that, that you've seen so yeah. far? Um, I mean, obviously, as I'm sure you know, but maybe some of the viewers don't know, I mean, John, you and I have, have worked together for a handful of patients uh, via virtual therapy. I will tell you, um, patients have been exceptionally receptive to that right now, especially for for circumstances where uh, you know where where the, you know, everyone again is trying to do their part, but at the same time they don't want to to limit their care. 
Um, and the feedback that I have uh, received from my patients has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, I would almost joke that there are some some patients who almost like it more than than you know than going out and about. But um, you know, certainly there's a lot you can do via telephysical therapy, but it's you know it's not full service, um, and so there are certain things that you're obviously going to miss. But uh, again, desperate times call for for different solutions and being um, you know uh, uh, creative with with care, and so it's it's been a real refreshing positive as far as feedback. Yeah, I I, I definitely think so. Um... You know, we've, I've heard from some of my colleagues and, and people who work in other clinics, um, and, and a lot of them are struggling with the virtual physical therapy part. Um, we've had, Metro's had a ton of experience with um, telemedicine now, just from the, 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 the month or so, we've had hundreds of, of visits. Um, yeah. We use three different platforms. Um, and it's pretty much been a, a game changer. I, I think, um, and, and you might see this, I, 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 was, I was asking another colleague, do you see this staying after, um, after the crisis is over? And for, for some things, um, follow-ups, um, maybe sometimes people only need to be in the office, you know, come to the office one day uh, every two weeks and, and then follow-ups with, um, with telemedicine and virtual physical therapy. I, I couldn't agree with you more actually, John. I, I, think, I think that this will stay. And there are um, several different categories of patients who I anticipate will, will, will recognize the benefit of this approach. Number one are, you know, again, the patients who maybe don't need to be seen two or three times a week, but need to have some sort of way of following along with their treatment. Maybe they're back to work, they're two or three months out from a particular procedure and timing and logistics makes it difficult to physically get to the facility. So I see telemedicine being helpful there. I think for a lot of our high school and especially collegiate athletes who I know you and I both treat frequently who um, go back to school or are away after being home for a short period of time and they need some guidance as far as you know, ramping up their physical activity level after shoulder surgery or knee reconstructive surgery. Um, I'd be interested to see even for the patients, you know, some of the patients who currently get home care or even some of your more elderly patients, you know, people, uh, we, we used to joke that technology was a young man's game. And what I find fascinating about the last month is I have patients in their 60s, 70s, and even 80 years old and over who are doing telemedicine visits for, and they're not phased at all by the idea of using an iPhone or an iPad. They FaceTime their grandchildren, they FaceTime their friends. And so I can even see it being helpful in that circumstance for people who transportation might be a little bit of an issue. Maybe they can bridge that gap for a short period of time, but going down the line, they need sort of maintenance therapy from time to time. And I can see telemedicine being a part of the solution later this year and hopefully long after we've, we, you know, we're past where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, for this time, it's obviously very beneficial because we can kind of screen our patients and see who really needs to come into the office and who would benefit from um, virtual physical therapy. It allows us really to be able to keep that, that, um, that social distancing within the clinic. Um, you know, we have entire exercise programs that are, are um, we can section out per body part and then pick specific exercises for, um, for, for our patients via uh, virtual physical therapy. So 
it really works really well um, from what I've seen so far. Um, I would agree. So, and, and plus, this way, weather doesn't have an, a, a factor in it. You know, patients can't cancel, they can be more compliant. Um, and again, you know, car breaks down, can't get to therapy. Uh, this solves all of that. So, it, it definitely yeah. is, is a game changer. And, and I, for one, will say, um, I was a little resistant at first just because I've always done, you know, so much hands on. Um, but I'm finding it very effective for, for certain people. Um, and, and, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, a lot of times life gets in the way, right? You know, transportation issues, work, work related responsibilities, your, as you said, your car breaks down. I think there's also something, um, uh, unique or, or sort of genuine about doing a virtual visit, uh, you know, for me even as well with a patient, seeing a patient, you know, while they're in their home, while they're in their natural uh, environment. You know, a lot of times I do telemedicine visits in my office, but occasionally I will do it from home. And I think patients sort of can relate to, you know, seeing their therapist or their doctor in a non, uh, you know, clinical background or clinical setting. So I think there's something positive about that. I think it brings, brings, you know, us closer to our patients and uh, our patients closer to us. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, so what are some of the more common shoulder injuries that you see in, in, in the office? Uh, you know, so generally speaking, you know, in, in my practice, most of the injuries I see related to the shoulder are, um, you know, sport or activity related. It's really common to see, uh, you know, partial or full tears of the rotator cuff instability issues with dislocation, cartilage tears, um, you know, stiffness, uh, secondary to underlying issues. Um, you know, during the last month or so, what I'm seeing a lot more of is, you know, like a lot of us, we're doing a lot of home, home improvement projects, breaking out ladders or, you know, different, uh, you know, different, uh, I, for example, I just power washed my deck the other day, breaking out things that I haven't used in a while. So we are seeing some overuse type of injuries. To a limited extent, we're seeing people who are falling and injuring their shoulder, um, you know, especially right now. Yeah, I, I see it kind of like people are home. They're not doing, um, doing their activities. So I think it's going to be um, difficult for some people when things start to open up again and, and yeah. you know, they can get back on the softball field. People are itching to get back or they can get back and we start are. playing baseball or tennis or whatever. Um, I, I think there's definitely a, a, a need for more preventative stuff, um, which I think some, some of the virtual physical therapy can really help with as well, because they're just going to jump right back into their sport and everybody's just chomping at the bit to get right back out. Exactly. You know? exactly. Me, me and you included. Right, exactly. And, and without any prep work or any um, preventative medicine, I, I can foresee some injuries happening very quickly. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I hope that's not the case, um, but certainly uh, experience and, uh, and uh, science would say that, you know, when we all get to get back out there and be active again, you know, certainly those of us who are, you know, over 30 and we're probably being nice there. Um, are, are going to be a little bit more prone to having overuse injuries after coming out uh, from being hunkered down for so long. Um, and I agree with you, you know, even preventative treatment or having the ability to sit down with a, with a therapist or rehab specialist and kind of go over some things you can do to 
ease your way back into being physically active, especially as the weather gets nicer, um, while still maintaining our social distancing, uh, you know, obligations is, uh, is, is certainly worth strongly considering. How successful with those type of rotator cuff tears and instability problems and shoulder sprains and strains, how successful is conservative treatment? I mean, the overwhelming majority of the time, I think, you know, what, what, I've, what I've learned over the years is that a lot of times, one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons that patients are afraid to go see an orthopedist is they're always afraid they're going to be told they need surgery. And statistically, that doesn't actually bear out. The overwhelming majority, 80, 85% of the time, maybe even higher, depending on the individual or the demographic, even partial tears of the rotator cuff or in older patients, even smaller tears that are full thickness can be managed effectively non-surgically with a combination of a good rehab program that you're committed to. And that's a big thing. Uh, medications, rarely injections, appropriate tweaking of your activities. Those things can be overwhelmingly effective in, in uh, patients in managing their, um, you know, their shoulder pain. And it's really only the, the, the real minority of patients who have persistent symptoms or there's a significant trauma that obviously precedes their being evaluated that, that generally needs surgery. So, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard um, bias to sort of overcome, but I hear it all the time from patients that, that they didn't want to come because they were worried they're going to be told they need surgery. And that's just not how the numbers bear out usually. Um, and education and spending a few minutes explaining what your options are and what the likelihood of success is gets most people past those barriers once they get in the door. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think um, just preventative medicine for, for a lot of people would be um, extremely beneficial. You know, just common, easy things that people can do at home right now to kind of prevent those shoulder injuries um, would probably keep a lot of people out of both of our offices. Um, just some, yeah. some core strengthening, some shoulder girdle strengthening, um, some stretching. I, I think people would, it would go a long way with a lot of, a lot of our patients. I, I couldn't agree more, John. And I'll tell you, you know, to me, taking care of your body from a musculoskeletal standpoint is a big part of taking care of your overall health, right? We all know what the benefits are to exercise and taking care of your body and being you know, active and physically active 45 minutes to an hour, a minimum of three times a week, and the benefits that has for your cardiovascular health, for your, um, for your lung health, for your blood pressure, for all those issues. And one of, the, one of the real interesting parts, as we all know, with what's going on with this virus is that you know, it seems as though patients who have other medical comorbidities seem to be at higher risk. And it's not completely shocking to, to hear that. And, and one of the ways that you can do a better job of taking care of your overall health is to be physically active. It's amazing what a little bit of exercise, and as you said, a little bit of preventive stretching and treatment can do to keep you physically active, how far that can go, not just in that goal of, I wanna play on my over 40 softball team, or I wanna play in that pickup league once a week, but in your overall, your overall health picture, your cardiovascular health, um, dealing with that pre-diabetes or that hypertension. So you, you couldn't be more right about that. It's, and my hope is when this, again, when this is all said and done, you know, people will really refocus on taking better care of their, of their bodies. And it starts with taking care of you know, your joints and muscles. Right, yeah. You, you have to make time for yourself to, to get yourself in, uh, in better health. Uh, so, so for some of those patients that um, their surgeries were put on hold due to this whole 
um, COVID-19 crisis. And, um, you know, even for new patients who are having pain, are, are you seeing those types of patients via telemed or um, in the office? Yeah. What, what, the way we're handling that, again, you know, every, every patient's a little different, every situation's different, but what I, what I have done and what my, most of the docs in my practice have done is if someone has an acute injury or something that needs to be physically evaluated just because there's really no way to do it virtually effectively, we'll see them. And then if you're going to send someone for an MRI or they need to have some sort of, you know, advanced imaging, we'll typically do those visits via telemedicine because it's a perfect avenue for that. Um, a lot of times you can show them the MRI uh, digitally. Uh, I will not lie. I've actually drawn pictures out and then held it up to the screen <laughs> and explained to someone what's going on. Um, but again, the overwhelming majority of these injuries, putting it off for a, a few weeks, a few short weeks while you treat with an anti-inflammatory, sometimes a teletherapy tele, uh, visit to focus on keeping certain muscle groups strong, it's really okay. And, and again, we don't want to put anyone at, at undue risk at this time until we have a better you know, better handle on how to, how to effectively proceed safely for our patients. Um, and, and, and people are, like I said, people are resilient and, and my patients always amaze me like how um, resilient and committed they are to doing the things they need to do, especially um, at a time like this where, you know, we're all being, uh, you know, we're all put in a sort of uh, uncomfortable and unusual situation. And so, um, you know, I have to say, my patients have impressed me. They've really done a, a really, great job of doing the things we need to do to, to get through this. Yeah. yeah we're doing a lot of um, virtual therapy, physical therapy treatments in order to instruct exercises during the lockdown so that, you know, patients can continue to progress and get better, even though they're stuck at home and can't get out and, you know, just don't want to get out and be around people. Sure. Uh, yeah. And so, we're finding it, it's really effective to just, you know, go through their exercises, make sure they're doing it correctly. And, and I'd agree. I've seen some of the, some of the older people really are doing a great job with, with, uh, with the um, zoom or FaceTime or, or whatever they whatever, whatever platform we're using. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely been, uh, been a game changer. Um, and listen, if there's one thing that we all have a little bit extra of right now, it's time. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, obviously some of our frontline workers and the people who are in the emergency rooms and at the hospital um, have been crunched to a certain extent. But for the rest of the community who uh, is either working from home or, um, you know, working part time from home and again, observing all these restrictions, as we were talking about before this, one of the things we all have is a little extra time. And now is the time to really you know, spend some of that extra time and that extra energy that we all have to commit it to, you know, to taking care of our bodies. And, and one of the best ways to do that is with these tele teletherapy visits that we're talking about. Well, I just want to say, I really appreciate you taking the time to, um, to speak with me and just um, speak with all the people listening. Um, thank you so much. Uh, it, it's been very informative. John, that, it's great. It's great to see you. Although I, I hope the next time we catch up, we're actually, uh, you know, maybe in the gym. That would be nice. <laughs> obviously, slowly getting back to our routines, not overdoing it. But it's uh, it's great to catch up with you, John. I, I appreciate your time and you know, Thank stay you. safe. Thank you so much. Take care. You too.